0: Hello, folks. I'm so glad you chose to be with me. My name is Nolan Ruby, and this is the On Being Christian podcast. I'll be your host. I'm also the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is the church um, where the On Being Christian podcast is a ministry out of. I am here very early in the morning. It's about 6.30, 6, what is it, six six thirty seven a.m., And uh, the sun's just coming up. I've got my windows open. I'm looking out over these mountains, and there's this very impending fog rolling in. It looks like we might get some moisture today. I'm hoping that you're having a wonderful day. Um, I want to just touch base with you very briefly on what we talked about last week. We talked last week about the concept of four questions. Um, That was podcast number 39. Podcast number 39, four questions, things I'd learned just through the course of ministry and life concerning questions from the Bible, which are very helpful concerning those things uh, that I think about when I'm discouraged or when I find myself in discouragement. Four questions from the Bible that help in those situations. And under that same vein, I want to kind of advance that today. The title of this will be four Ifs. Four if statements or four questions that start with if that um, have a lot to do with how things turn out, how my decisions end up affecting my life. Four ifs. If we start in Deuteronomy chapter 28, um, for time's sake, I'm not sure if I, the first 20 verses is what I want to focus on. There's about 68 verses. in in Deuteronomy chapter 28, but let me just read these first 20 to you, and then we'll break this down, and I'll show you these statements within these first 20 verses that have helped me quite a bit. If I start in verse 1, the Bible says, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be, or shall the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground, uh, the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy Kin, the flocks of thy sheep, blessed shall be the basket that they store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face, and they shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and if Excuse me, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee an holy people unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. In the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers to give thee, the Lord shall, upon, excuse me, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the people shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass if, and here's where everything sort of changes here, folks, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field, cursed shalt thou be... Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store, cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land and the increase of thy kin and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shall thou be when thou comest in, cursed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation and rebuke and all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed." And until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby, whereby thou hast forsaken me. And that's the end of verse 20. It goes on for another 46 verses, um, mo- or excuse me, 48 verses. And it is mostly uh, incredibly negative things that happen when we choose to forsake the word of God. Now, like I said at the beginning, last week was. Uh, regarding four questions that we can ask ourselves, uh, which whose answers are rhetorical, um, when we face discouragement. Art thou God of heaven? Dost thou not rule over all the things? And, th- and so on and so forth. You can go back and listen to that. What I want to talk to you today about is these four ifs. Concerning the decisions that I make in my life, if I understand these four aspects before I make decisions, I can see down the road quite a bit further than I naturally would be able to. And so if we start right off the bat, in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1, the Bible says, and it shall come to pass, and here's your first if, if thou shalt hearken. It goes on to say, diligently, under the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And he goes on, if thou hearken diligently, and then you find these two words, to observe and to do. And so when I'm thinking about making decisions, one of the ways in which I can look or have the foresight by God's grace to look a lot further down the road than normal is when I understand these four ifs. And the first if is if I hearken diligently to observe and to do all that the Lord has commanded me to do. Let's find some terms here. Harken is a word that means to attend to what is uttered with eagerness and curiosity, to regard with the intent to obey, to comply with. So hearken means I'm listening with eagerness, with curiosity. I'm listening with the intent that not only will I hear what you have to say, but I will apply what you have to say to my life. And then it defines how we should be listening. The word the, the word of God says that we should hearken diligently. Diligently is a word which simply means steady application and care, not negligently. To serve with industry. Diligently means to serve with industry. It's that steady application. In other words, it's not just about hearing what God has to say you know, let me make this correlation. Somehow Christianity has become a term that those who go to church twice a year apply to themselves. They go to church on Christmas Eve and if they can swing it, they'll get there on Easter. And then that's enough for them to tell the whole rest of the world that they are Christians, even though nothing that the bible says about how we should be living our lives is the way in which they live their life they couldn't find most of the books of the bible if you paid them to but somehow they're a christian once you to understand the bible says that if if i hearken diligently being a Christian, being able to see a little bit further down the line concerning what is the inevitable result of the decisions I make starts with making my decisions correctly. And if I hearken diligently, in other words, if I hear and regard with the intent to apply to my life with steady application and industry, not negligently, and then it goes on to say observe and do, Observe just means to keep or to hold, uh, to take notice. And then do is a word that means to perform, to execute, to carry into effect, uh, to exert labor or power in the bringing of something to the state of a desired result. And so if I hearken diligently to observe and do, then the Bible's going to give me all of these other requirements or all of these other results of hearkening diligently. And so in verse 1, it says, um, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments which I command thee this day. And here's the result that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. He goes on in verse 2 to say, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord our God. Blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Overtake is just a word that means to uh, to reach. Literally or figuratively, it means to, to be able to obtain. The idea being that you will be overrun by the point of having no room for the abundance of the Lord Jesus Christ's blessings in your life. It will be too much if I hearken diligently to observe and to do all. The result of the blessings of the Lord in my life are dependent on the if I hearken diligently. It's an if-then statement, if-then or excuse me, if this, then that. If I hearken diligently to observe and do, then the blessings of the Lord are rained upon my life. Okay, we're going to get into the opposite of that here in a little bit, but here we see that first if. If thou hearken to observe and to do. And then it goes on in verse 2 to say that same if, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, he says all of these blessings shall be upon thee. Now, before I get into this very far, because we're going to look at all of those blessings and what those mean, let's look at some, uh, just a few supporting scriptures for this concept. If you go to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And so here we have the desire of the Lord to pour a blessing out that you don't have room to receive dependent on obedience, bringing all the ties into the storehouse. And so sometimes within Christianity, as in American culture, We have gotten to the point, we're so soft, we demand all of the blessings of God, we demand all of the privileges of citizenship of the United States of America, but yet at the same time, we reject all the requirements of doctrinal living. We reject all the responsibilities of an American citizen. We want the privileges, we want the blessings, but we reject the work involved. We've gotten to this point where we think we are owed things. In some cases, just simply for the privilege of our existence, we are owed things. It's a very victimized mindset. The Bible says, no, the blessings of the Lord are directly linked to this first if. If thou hearken diligently to observe and to do there's a lot of Bible on this. A couple more I want to look at. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'll read 6 through 9. The Bible says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. You see that phrase in there, shall reap bountifully. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. We've gotten to the point sometimes, especially or specifically with respect to our Christianity, where we sow very, very sparingly. The Lord gets maybe an hour of our day, one day a week. And we expect the absolutely unequivocal abundance of the blessings of God Now, I want to tell you something here real quick. The grace of God is not earned. It is grace. It is a gift. And so I'm not saying that we need to earn God's grace. Grace and salvation by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is something entirely different. That is something that I can ask for with faith and repentance to God. And by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I can be forgiven of my sin and my sin nature. But once I claim to have done that, once I claim to be a Christian, the Bible says the desires of my heart are new. It says in Corinthians, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm a new creature. There should be a desire in me to give the Lord more than the bare minimum. But when I do give just the bare minimum, I shouldn't be surprised through my Sparing, sparingly mindset, my, my mindset of sparingly reaping that I, um, or excuse me, through my mindset of sparingly sowing, I shouldn't be surprised when I reap not a great deal more than I sow. Because if, this first if, I hearken diligently to observe and to do, it doesn't say some, it says all, to observe and to do all. Couple more verses on this. Philippians chapter four and verse 19. Let me jump over there real quick. Philippians 4 and verse 19. The Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. So my need is not the, or God's ability to supply my need is not the issue. Whether I've diligently hearkened. And observed to do all that the word of God says is the issue. God does not desire for us to not have what we need. God's desire and ability is over and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the Bible. So what prevents us from having overly abundantly and above all we ask or think? And let me just take a break here. I'm not talking about health and wealth gospel. I'm not talking about praying down some kind of ridiculous living standard that puts you into a place where your rewards are based on this temporary world. I'm talking about just basics, uh, just blessings. Having a a name that's worth something, having a family, that carries on the testimony of Jesus Christ, a reputation that's not a shame to our Savior, the basic needs of life fulfilled, those are the blessings that matter. And those blessings are directly linked with respect to their abundance to how much I'm willing to hearken and diligently observe and do all that the Lord commanded me. Because his riches and glory are not the question. My obedience on earth Is the question. If I go to Luke chapter 6, Luke and chapter 6, and then jump down to verse 38, the Bible says this Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met withal, it shall be measured to you again. With the same measure, So how willing am I uh, to be obedient to all that the Lord has commanded me to do? That which I give will be directly linked to that which I receive. Let me say it this way. That which I receive, apart from the grace of God, which I can't ever earn, that which I receive from God as a Christian will very rarely—let me— I can't receive—I'm I'm, I'm caught within words here because I know how my my mind is, is splitting hairs. I cannot earn Jesus Christ love. That is beyond me. That's a gift. And I, I want to make that very clear. I want to make that a very clear distinction in what I'm talking about. I want you to understand that my Christian life, the blessings of my Christian life will not exceed— the willingness of my heart and mind as a Christian to obey every commandment of God. If I'm trying to define what a Christian is and dismiss the doctrine of the Bible, I'm going to find that God dismisses a lot of the blessings that he would like for me to participate in. If I go to John chapter 1, John chapter 1 and verse... um, Let's see here. I think it's 16. John 1, 16. Yes. And of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. Of his fullness we have received grace for grace. And so this first if is directly linked to hearkening diligently to observe and do. The Bible goes on in our text in Deuteronomy chapter 28 Uh, picks up in in verse three, it says, if you do these things, and then it describes in verse two, it says, here's the blessings that are a direct result of hearkening diligently to do and to observe and to do everything that the Lord says. Okay. And there's, let's see here. um, One, two, three, four things that are pretty evident right off the bat. If I read verse three, it says, blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Okay. So the first thing the Bible says that God will be, that God's hand will be uh, providing blessings in your life in is this area of the city and the field. And so if I could break that down, and this is by no means biblical, I'm just kind of giving you some of my opinions based off of these verses that we just read. If I wanted to understand blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field, could I say that in my production as well as in my commerce, the Bible says God will bless my endeavors. In the city, which is commerce, and in the field, which is production. Where I grow my goods and where I sell my goods. And this is a agricultural time, and so that's the terms that are being used. But if you could think of it like this, in my home and in my work... If I am diligently observing to do all the Bible says, then God's hand of blessing will be evident in what I produce and the selling of what I produce or the, the market that's available for what I am skilled at. If I go to verse 4, it says, Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle. It says all three of those. And so if I wanted to to move this into terms that we could understand today, could I say that um, blessed is the fruit of thy body, that's my health, and then the fruit of the ground, that is uh, my labor, and the fruit of my cattle, that's my investments. My health, my labor, and my investments are going to be blessed by the hand of God, directly relevant to to my willingness to this first if, if I observe to do everything, to to hearken diligently and to observe and do everything the Bible tells me to do. Verse 5 says this, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 5, blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. This is interesting. If I were to bring this into current day terms, um, if I were to say blessed shall be thy basket that is um, what I obtain and blessed is that which I store that is what I keep so the Bible says not only will you obtain more but you'll be able to keep more sometimes we we obtain more and then the things that take what we obtain increase with it (laughs) the Bible says wealth maketh itself wings and fly away Okay, And so if I am observing diligently to do everything that the Lord has told me to do through his word, then that which I obtain, my basket, uh, will, um, will be blessed, and that which I store, in other words, what I keep, what I can keep for later, my wealth, that will be blessed. And I'm not talking about financial wealth, although that can play a role in it, I'm sure. I'm talking about the, the wealth that matters. Never judge wealth by a monetary tag. The, I tell my kids all the time, worth, the worth of life is in the work of life. We get so focused on the reward and we attach value to the reward. And then we we do everything we can we do everything we can to remove the work between us and the reward which basically removes the value from the award. If you didn't do anything to get it, it means much less to you when you have it. But if I have a mindset of the fact that the worth is in the work and God gives me more work to do, is he not giving me more worth? I'm going to let that sit on you just for a second. I want you to understand what I just said. More work to do is the worth that I am asking the Lord for. The reward for the Christian should not be so caught up in this temporary world, but rather in that which is to come. And how do I build that? Through more work. Okay. Now let's look at verse 6. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. If I were to make this, uh, bring this into kind of a present-day thought, blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, that's my personal life, and then blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out, that's my public life. And so we see if I hearken diligently to observe and to do all, this is that first if, the blessings of the Lord are dependent on how much I'm willing to obey, but those blessings are going to touch Every aspect of my life, my production, my commerce, my health, my labor, my investments, that which I obtain, that which I keep, my personal life, and my public life are all going to be directly blessed by the hand of God. And by the way, blessings from God are defined as God would define blessings, not as we would define blessings. Sometimes you and I define blessings in very temporary terms new toys, nicer cars, bigger homes, more money for the work I do. Those aren't always blessings. Sometimes those are the worst types of curses that you could possibly receive. But if I allow the Lord's definition of blessings to be applied to my life, then the production of my hand and my commerce might be more beneficial to others than it is to me, and that's a blessing. If your health and your labor and your investments are being blessed by God, that might not mean getting more than you can handle on earth. It might just mean that you're getting more opportunities to work because the worth is in the work, not the reward. If God is blessing my basket and my store, or in other words, that which I obtain and that which I keep, it might just be health that I'm keeping. It might just be energy that I'm keeping, I can obtain more energy to do more work, to apply myself more to the cause of Christ. If he's blessing my going in and my coming out, my my personal life and my private life, folks, as a pastor, um, I tell you this, and as a police chaplain, a great deal of my life is lived out in public. And I am a human, I'm a man, and can say something stupid just as easily as anybody else can. In fact, probably at a greater level, I am literally in front of people for sometimes 8, 10, 12 hours a week speaking. You know how many opportunities that is for humanity to mess something up? I would certainly like the Lord's blessings on my public life. I would like the Lord's blessings on my private life where my wife and my children understand through my endeavors and through my sacrifices and through my time for them, my focus on them, that I love them and that I'm here for them and that they can go on and do great things because I'm behind them. And if I do my job, they should be better at their job than I ever could be. That's a blessing. Where does that come from? Not me. I can't create that. Well, how do I generate that? Observe diligently, hearken diligently to observe and to do all that the Lord has commanded. That is literally the only way to have access to those types of blessings. Excuse me while I drink coffee, which I count as a blessing. Now, I want to look at um, just a couple, or let's see here, three thoughts underneath what the Lord will cause to do. And we're still under this first point. If I look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, where we started, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 7, the Bible says this, the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. And so we see the blessings of the Lord directly linked to how much I'm willing to hearken, diligently observe and do everything the Lord commanded. But we also see that he'll do some things that are just not even, they're totally out of my hand. And one of the first things that he shall do and just kind of three subpoints under this first one: the Lord shall cause my enemies to not be such a big deal. Thine enemies to be smitten before thy face. Smitten is a word that means struck, uh, passion within passion, or something impressive. It means they're not going to be an issue for me. I'm not going to have to face things that I would have to had uh, have faced if I hadn't obeyed the Lord. In obedience to the Lord, there are things in my life that would have been issues that never become issues, and I never even uh, found out about it. It was taken out of my preview. That's a pretty good thing. That's a pretty good thing. Let's look at the second cause, Deuteronomy 28.8. The Bible says, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord... Thy God giveth thee. The Bible says here, he shall command. So he shall cause certain things in my life to take place, and he shall command certain things in my life to take place. Some of the things the Lord has commanded to take place in my life, I'll never know until I see him in heaven. And I realize just how involved in all of the smallest and most minute details of my life his hand actually was. Blessing, Where. I could have been cursed, protecting where, I've, where I could have been vulnerable. You see, sometimes we, we link blessings to things we understand. But if I understand this scripture correctly, if I am willing to diligently hearken, observe and do everything the Lord commanded me, there's things that his hand will bless in my life that I don't even know, things that I'll never know until I see him. Because he's, number one, causing things to happen. And number two, he's commanding things to happen. And number three, found in verse nine, he's establishing things to happen. Verse nine says, the Lord shall establish. So verse seven, the Lord shall cause. Verse eight, the Lord shall command. And verse nine, the Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself and he hath sworn unto thee if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways and that's the second if we're going to look at just in a minute here the Lord shall establish the word establish means to settle to to uh to it's like letting concrete cure it it strengthens over time and so if i want the lord's blessings in my life here's the first if i need to be willing to hearken diligently, to observe, and to do all he's commanded me. If that is what I choose to do, the Bible says all throughout the Bible, the blessings will be so abundantly and uh, uh, bountifully above what I could expect, I won't have room to receive it. The blessings include my production. Uh, my commerce, my health, my labor, my investments, that which I obtain, that's what i that which I'm allowed to keep, my personal life, my public life. And how is all this going to happen? Well, the Lord will cause these things to happen. The Lord will command these things to happen, and the Lord will establish my life in the blessings of his hand. Why? Because I obeyed. Don't make it more complicated. Uh, Excuse me, don't make it more complicated than that. Being a Christian, being a Christian that's blessed by the hand of God, starts with obedience. We try to make it so much more complicated just to sometimes justify our own existence, but in reality, it's really not that complicated. Obey the Bible. Obey. Let's look at this second if found in verse 9. The Bible says, The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. Here's the second if. If thou keep the commandments and walk in his ways. Keep is a word that means to hold. Uh, to retain in one's power or possession, not to lose or, or part with. It means to have in custody. It it gives the idea of clutching something to your to your chest. This is mine. I'm going to protect it. This is this is uh, how I'm going to live my life. That's what the word keep means. And then the word walk just simply means to be stirred or to be agitated forward, to move, to advance moderately, uh, but repetitively. So listen, the greatest people in any realm of accomplishment understood one thing very, very clearly, probably better than the rest of us. And that is this. It's not about the huge, massive achievements. It's the little commitments that you make on a daily basis that you keep. It's habitual living. It's not enough. In, I used to teach um, different forms of self-protection. It's not enough to have a sidearm in a world where people are willing, very willing to hurt you. You have to learn how to use it. And then it's not enough to learn how to use it. You actually have to learn how to carry it. And then it's not enough to carry it once or twice or a couple of weeks in a row or even a year in a row. You have to carry it habitually. And it's those little decisions that you make on the road to changing the course of your life. Little decisions. And that's what the second if is. If thou keep the commandments, and then how do I keep them? Walk in them. Those moderate but repetitive advancements. I get up in the morning and I spend time with the Lord. Not enough to do it one morning or two mornings or a week or a month or a year, but I must make it my life's choice. Spend time with the Lord. If I ask myself the questions about what the Bible would have me to do before I make decisions, it's not enough to do that once or twice, but you must do it over every decision, over every priority. Put the word of God before your own desires as a habit, not as I do this once or twice. Be in church as a habit, not as a a holiday event. Be faithful to the house of God and supportive of the house of God as a habit, as a way of life. Raise your family in it. Uh, Nurture your marriage in it habitually. And the Bible says, If if thou keep the commandments and walk, verse 9 says, Thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. He will do the rest. Let's look at, um, again, just three points underneath this second one. The, the, the first point, the Lord shall make thee. And we'll, I'll describe what he'll make. But again, remember, these next three points are directly connected to if I keep his commandments and walk in them. Number one, the Lord shall make thee. This is found in verse 11, 2811, And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. And so let's break these down like we did the last one. The fruit of my body, that's the health that we're talking about. The fruit of my cattle, that's my investments. The fruit of the ground, that's my labor. Where do the blessings in my health and my investments and my labor come from? They come from keeping the commandments of God and walking in them. The Bible says he will make thee plenteous in goods, goods with respect to all these things, health, investments, and labor. Plenteous is a word that means abundant and copious, plentiful, sufficient for every purpose. That sounds great as a father, as a pastor, as a police chaplain, to be to be found plenteous in every situation, no matter what situation I face, I have plenty of uh, energy and and wisdom from the word of God to apply uh, some level of an answer or a solution to the problem, that's a blessing. What is that blessing dependent on? Keeping the commandments of God and walking in them. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, I'm going to run over there real quick, just as a the caveat to this section of scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. You understand, like I just said, folks, I have a lot that the Lord has entrusted me with, and that's never something that I'm going to tell you I did. That's The Lord has is, is blessed in that area, given me a lot to do and stay busy. If I want to be sufficient, if I want to be appropriate to uh, um, each of the causes that the Lord has given me to be involved in, if I want to be sufficient to it, if I want to have the answer when it's time for me to have the answer, what is that dependent on? Keeping the commandments of God and walking in them, applying them, that moderate but repetitive action in the word of God. That's what it's dependent on. I myself am not sufficient, but the God that I serve is and can make me sufficient according to his grace. It's a blessing. That's the second if. So number one, God shall make thee, and the Bible says, plenteous in goods. I'll take that. Number two, the Lord shall open unto thee. You'll see that in verse 12, Deuteronomy 28, 12. It says here, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure and have to give thee rain on thy land in the, his season and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. Let's define some of these things. And so, number one, underneath the keep commandments and walk, I understand that he can bless my health and my investments and my labor. And number two, he shall open unto me what? His good treasure. And here's how the Bible defines His good treasure rain onto thy land. You know, there's not a thing that you can do to control the rain or the lack thereof, for that matter. And so, if I were to say rain on the land, can I say that that might be the circumstances of my life? The Lord can bless that. He goes on to say in verse 12 the work of thy hand. I'm going to say that that is my endeavors. And and then it goes on to say, thou shalt lend and not borrow. That's my personal economic situation. And so if I understand from the Bible, if I keep the commandments and walk in them, he can bless my health, my investments, and my labor, but he can also open unto me the treasures of his heaven, which will bless my circumstances, my endeavors, and my personal financial situation. By the way... Circumstances, those things that you can't control, God's in control of those and can control those for your benefit. My endeavors, uh, folks, as much as you and I, especially men, would like to think that we are in control of the results of the work of our hands, our endeavors, we're really not that in control of it. But with God's help, the endeavors of our hand can be a blessing to Him. And that's my desire that's my prayer that the endeavors of my hand would be a blessing to him and then thou shalt lend and not borrow my economics sometimes we would bless we would define blessings financially speaking as having more than we need and that's not really what the Bible says concerning economic blessings <clears throat> The economics that the Bible talks about or my personal financial situation being blessed by God simply is boiled down to this fact. Thou shalt lend and not borrow. (laughs) You say, well, I'm not living in a big house. I'm driving. Listen, if you have everything you need and you're not in debt, tell you what, you're rich beyond measure. I read a report the other day that said, if you have a set of dresser drawers, just, you know, if you have a nightstand, a a credenza, something where you have drawers that you keep your clothes in, you, my friend, are in the top, I think it was two or three percent of the richest people on the planet. We don't understand that, do we? America's middle class used to be a detached garage with one space and about 900 square foot, 950 square foot home. There was a couple bedrooms, uh, an empty basement that you could do whatever you wanted with, a small kitchen that usually was more like a hallway, and then a tiny little combined uh, family room, dining room, space. And that was where families raised families. And I'm talking about four, five, six, seven kids. And that was the middle ground. That was You were considered to be doing very well. I was talking to a friend the other day who's involved in construction, um, building homes, specifically first-time homes. And uh, he made the comment, he said, in first-time homes, if you want to build homes that sell, you're going to be building a home that's no less than 2,500 square feet, and you're going to have some amenities in there um, that are now considered or, or understood to be basic level requirements. And so when I bought my first house, it was a 900-square-foot home, two-bedroom, empty, uh, unfinished basement, little kitchenette that looked like an alley, and uh, and that was it. It had a shower and a sink, and I had to buy everything else. Now, first-time home buyers are looking for homes that not only have all of the appliances provided, but the TVs in every room are now standard. This guy builds these homes, and he puts the TVs in every room, hardwires them right into the wall. It's standard. That is now the bare necessity. That's how soft we've become. But the Bible defines wealth differently. It just says the blessings of the Lord are directly linked to whether or not you're lending to others and not borrowing from others. And that can be done just simply by adjusting my style of life. If I live well below my means and I'm satisfied, the Bible says be content with with such things as ye have, I can put myself into a position where I can be a blessing to other people and not have to borrow from other people or institutions or banks to live the life I want to live. How do I get that? Keep the commandments and walk in them and watch the Lord's hand bless your life. A couple of verses on this I want to share with you. If I jump over to This is all the way back here, Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 6, the Bible says, For the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow, and thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. Freedom is a blessing, folks. And when I'm in debt up to my eyeballs, for things that impress everybody that I don't like, for reasons I don't care about, (laughs) I'm really not that free, am I? When I get my paycheck and 75% of it is spoken for, I'm really not that free. Well, how do you avoid that? Obey the word of God. Bible says, oh, no man, anything. When I obey, I find freedom. Why? Because the Bible isn't wrong. God didn't write us a letter of suggestions he wrote us a word of God with commandments and if we obey them he blesses it it's just simply that simple 1 1 it's 1 plus 1 is 2 if i jump over to leviticus chapter 26 thanks for listening here folks this is one of those issues as a pastor you you run into things over and over again in the ministry and you wonder how in the world can we like Ignore so much scripture and expect God to still bless us. And so some of that is what you're hearing here. A lot of just hey, this is what the Bible says and let's let's get on the same page and do it. Let's look at what it says in Leviticus chapter 26. I'm going to read a little bit here 2 through 11. the Bible says, "If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them and here's that if then statement. verse 4 says, then I will give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit." And your threshing shall reach under the vintage, and the vintage shall reach under the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely." And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid, and I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land, and ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword, and five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword, for I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you, and ye shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new and i will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you what's all this dependent on folks all the way back to verse 2 keep my sabbaths reverence my sanctuary i am the lord wow then i will give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase when will he give rain Keep my Sabbaths, reverence my sanctuary, walk in my statutes, keep my commandments and do them. Don't make it more complicated than that. The third thing we see, so number one, under keep his commandments and do them, he blesses my health, my investments, my labor. Number two is he shall open unto me good treasure, which is the circumstances of my life, the endeavors of my hands, and my personal economy. And number three, the Lord shall make thee, and look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, the Lord shall make thee head and not the tail. That just simply means, and it goes on, um, not the tail is... He's going to bless my advancement. He's going to bless my promotion, not just through work promotion, but through life. My promotion, above only. If I look at verse uh, chapter 28, verse 13, The Lord shall make thee the head, not the tail, and thou shalt be above only. That means that he can put me in favor. The Bible says that a man who is diligent about his business shall set himself before kings. He shall not sit before mean men says that in Proverbs. And so he can bless the way in which the world looks at me. He can put me at favor with people. It goes on to say, and not beneath. In other words, he can make me influential. He can make me personally influential in the things that I'm involved in. Sometimes we look for influence opposite of obedience to God. And God says, no, I give the influence of your life. You just obey me and let me apply my hand of blessing to your life. We sometimes dismiss the Bible in effort to get more influence with things that we're involved in, which is literally shooting ourselves in the foot. But if I obey the commandments of God, this is the second if, remember now, if I obey those commandments and I walk in them, then my advancement and my favor and my influence is in the hands of the Lord, and he says it's his desire to promote those things. I don't need to do that. He'll do it for me. How will he do it? Or, Or why, excuse me, why will he do it? Because I'm obeying. If I go to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7, the Bible says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Even his enemies. How does a man make his enemies to be at peace with him? He doesn't. God does it. How? Because the man obeys God. Psalm 5 and verse 12, the Bible says here, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor; wilt thou compass him as with a shield? That sounds pretty good to me. Having being blessed with favor, and compass, which means surrounded by a shield, if that's directly linked to uh, to, to obeying God's commandments and and walking in them, I think I can I can do that. If I go to Isaiah chapter 58. get to where I need to be. Isaiah chapter 58, and I will read uh, 13 through 14 here. The Bible says, "'If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and, and shalt thou honor him.'" not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So do I want to delight myself in the Lord, and cause? do I want him to cause me to ride upon the high places of the earth? Well, the answer is yes. Then look what the requirement is. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, if I look at the Lord's commandments as suggestions and not what they are, commandments, if I if I turn myself from doing what the Bible says is his pleasure on his holy day, and I call the Sabbath nothing more than a delight, in other words, it's just something I can do or, or, or can't do, it doesn't really affect me, the honorable Lord, the holy Lord, if I don't do that, he will honor me. In other words, if I turn away, if I don't take pleasure in being—if I have no desire to be in church, why do I think I can claim the title Christian? If I have no desire to do what the Bible says, to be around God's people, then why in the world do I think that the hand of God's going to bless my life? Folks, it's just not. It's just not. So the first if that we looked at, Deuteronomy chapter 28— And verse 1, if thou hearken diligently to observe and to do, and we looked at that. The second if that we looked at is found in verse 9, if thou keep the commandments and walk in them. We looked at that. Now let's look at the third if, found in Deuteronomy chapter 28, 13 through 14. The Bible says, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandment of the Lord, thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God to observe and do them. Commandment is a word that means a mandate, an order, or an injunction given by authority. It's a charge or a precept. In understanding the objective truth of God's commandment, one must understand that in order for there to be obedience, there must be the option of disobedience. You understand what I'm saying there? In other words, in order for someone to love you, they must also have the option to hate you. Love cannot be commanded. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Love must be offered, and the same is for obedience. You can force somebody, you can chain somebody to something and make them do something, but that's not obedience, that's compliance. Obedience comes willingly from the heart. Okay, There must be the option for disobedience in order for there to be obedience. Just as there must be, uh, to love someone, there must be the option for indifference or hate. Thus, the command is laid out with the results of acceptance as well as denial being laid out right along with it. And so what do we find in these first three ifs? We find that the Lord can bless my life. In fact, the Lord desires to bless my life. He desires to bless every aspect of my life. He desires the blessings of his hand in my life to overwhelm me, for me not to have room enough to receive it. He would desire that his blessings affect my health, my investments, my labor, my circumstances, my endeavors, my my economics, my, my advancement, my favor, my influence, my labor, my investments, all of these things, my life going, uh, my public life, my personal life, my private life. These are the things the Lord desires to bless. They're all dependent on me. Very simply, walking or hearkening diligently to observe and do everything the Lord says, to keep his commandments, to walk in them, to hearken to the commandments, to observe to do all of them, and he will do the rest. But that's all the positive. The three ifs are all the positive. The fourth if, the Lord says, but there's, there's one last thought he has for us. If we go down to verse 28, or chapter 28, verse 15, it says, But, but if, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all these commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So if I don't do what the Lord commanded me to do, if I don't hearken diligently, then all the things that he wants to bless turn into curses. Verse 29, the Bible says, And thou shalt grope at noonday, at the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt not be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. If I jump down to verse 45, The Bible says, moreover, all the curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded thee. And then jump down to 58 and 59. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of the law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear the glorious and fearful name, and then all super capitals here, the Lord thy God. Then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sicknesses and of long continuance. And it goes on here, folks. Cursed, shalt, verse 16, cursed shalt thou be in the city and in the field. Verse 17, thy basket and thy store will be cursed. Verse 18, the fruit of thy body, the land, the increase of thy kin, the flocks, the sheep, they'll be cursed. Verse 19, when thou comest in, when thou goest out, that'll be cursed. Verse 20, the Lord shall send upon thee cursings, vexation, and rebuke in all, the Bible says, until thou be destroyed. And then it goes on to say, and perish quickly. So everything the Bible says God wants to bless you in is the desire of God, and it's dependent on obedience to his word. But when I choose to do my own thing, when I choose to dismiss the Bible and pursue my own endeavors, I can just guarantee that all of those blessings at the hand of God will turn into curses at my own hand. Cursed is a word that means afflicted and vexed. Tormented and devoted to destruction. Vexation is simply a word that means um, disturbing or or agitated, causing disquiet. Sometimes you see a person's life, and aver- they're caught in this continual cycle of being vexed, of being um, disquieted and troubled, and their mind is never at peace. Why? Because they refuse to obey the Bible. They flat out refuse. We also see the word rebuke, which is a word that means to chide, to reprove, to reprimand for fault. The takeaway from this is shockingly simple, almost to the point of being insulting, really. The question is, what do you want? The results of your hand only give two choices, and they're both laid out here. I can, through God's grace, let his hand bless my life by me being obedient, hearkening diligently to observe and to do all his commandments, or I can choose to live this life by my hand, and then all the things that could be blessed turn into cursings, not to mention all the things that God just lets me have. The worst thing, in my opinion, that can happen to a person in this life is someone who has rejected God for God to allow them to get exactly what they want. Sometimes we we blame the devil for things that are really just nothing more than the consequences of our own stupid decisions. And the Bible says, if I'm obeying the Lord, if I'm living my life diligently according to to, to listening to his commandments, you remember all those things that the Bible says in chapter 28, verse 7, it says, he shall cause... Verse 8, he shall command. Verse 9, he shall establish. What happens to my life when God stops causing things and and commanding things and establishing things? Well, I'm left to the results of my own devices. And what does that equal? The Bible says in two identical verses, both found in two separate chapters in Proverbs, that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Couple of verses and I'll close. Deuteronomy chapter 11, 26 through 28. Look what the Bible says here. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. I don't know how much more simple to make it, folks. The Bible says he lays before us a blessing and a curse. The blessing is directly linked to obedience, and the curse is directly linked to disobedience. One of the best verses or chapters in the Bible that outlines this very clearly is the very first chapter of Psalm. And there's six verses, and I'll just read it to you. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not after But like I said before, the positive is only laid out when the negative is laid out right next to it, and you can choose the blessing of the curse. Here's the negative. The ungodly are not so, verse 4, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So just a recap for you, folks. Four ifs. Number one, if I hearken diligently to observe and to do, he can bless my life. His desire is to give me more blessings than I can handle. He'll bless the production of my hand, the commerce of my life, my labor, my investments, that which I obtain, that which I keep, my personal life and my public life. He'll do this by causing and commanding and establishing my life. Those are all linked to diligently observing and doing everything. The second if is if if thou keep the commandments and walk in them. He'll bless my health, my investments, my labor, my circumstances, my endeavors, my personal economic situation, my advancement, my favor, and my influence. It's all linked to that second if. The third if, if thou hearken unto the commandments. And so it kind of combines the first two. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, to observe and do them. And so it's just kind of the Bible doubling down on the first two and putting them together. And what's the result of that? The Bible says that his hand will bless my life. And then the fourth if, is if I choose to get rid of all of the first three and just say, nope, I'm going to go about it my own way. Verse 15, all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And the curses are the same exact things as the blessings, except they're not blessings anymore. We would define a sudden windfall of, of financial gain as a blessing. You understand the Bible might define that as a curse. I've never met one lottery winner in my life, but I've also never read about one lottery winner in my life whose life was made better by money. It was a curse. It was a curse. Cursing, vexation, rebuke. And then he ends it by simply giving us a very clear choice. Deuteronomy 11 says, I lay before you two choices, a blessing and a curse. You choose. Joshua said it this way to the people. He said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It's a choice. Those are four ifs that you can ask yourself before making decisions. I would implore you to have a good relationship with your pastor, to have a faithful uh, presence in church, and to always keep the word of God in front of you before all the decisions that you may make. I'm all done, folks. Thanks for spending some time with me. If you have any questions about this, you can get a hold of me at the website. It's www.wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. That's W-A-S-A-T-C-H, frontbaptistchurch.com. Wasatch is the name of the mountain range that runs the Salt Lake uh, Valley, the front of the Salt Lake Valley. Um, you can also get a hold of me. My direct office line is right there on the website. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I don't take it lightly at all. I hope you enjoy the holiday season as we roll into that, and you have lots of ample time to spend with family and friends. Remember, folks, put the Lord first, make your priority him, and he will help you make the decisions that you need to make that add blessings to your life and not curses. I'm going to pray and be all done. Father, thank you so much for the time to be together and for the time to be in your word. I pray as we go about our day, now that you would bless us, Father, and that you'd help us to be a blessing to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I love you. Thank you so much for being with me. I'll see you next time. God bless.